This is Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge on News Talk 770 Radio, Calgary's breaking news and conversation station. All right, welcome back. So this was a big deal at the time. It was August of 2014. It's almost two years ago exactly that a reporter at the Edmonton Sun received, you know, the proverbial brown envelope with some uh, salacious details uh, about a leadership candidate, uh, Thomas Lukasik, that, wow, look at this, a $20,000 cell phone bill racked up uh, in Europe. And right in the midst of of the Tory leadership race. Uh, But the leak of the information was, right from the get-go, pretty controversial and questionable, that, that who had access to this information and who leaked it to the media? And did it violate the law? Now, the CBC had reported uh, recently, uh, in fact, that five months before that information was leaked to the media, the executive assistant to Allison Redford's chief of staff requested that that information be retrieved from secure storage. That was five months before it was leaked. Uh, The uh, privacy commissioner, Jill Clayton, uh, announced that um, this was uh, back in late 2014. That, that her office was going to look into this whole matter. Uh, so that report has come out today, and it finds that the leak likely came from a cabinet minister and that leaking the information did indeed violate the Privacy Act. So in terms, though, of who specifically leaked it, that was uh, outside the parameters of this investigation. So I... Uh, unclear whether anybody's going to be held uh, accountable for for that but the investigation did also find that there there was no vital personal information that was leaked so maybe the impact was was minimal well the man who was at the the center of this storm was uh, of course as mentioned thomas lukasik former mla cabinet minister and and a leadership candidate and uh, he joins us on the line here this afternoon good afternoon thomas thanks for making some time for us good afternoon thanks for having me all right. Well, I know, I know you're vacationing with your family, but you've, you've uh, kind of had to interrupt that. You've had an opportunity to look through this report. So what are your initial uh, impressions? Well, I'm glad that uh, Madam Clayton, uh, the privacy commissioner, did the work that she did. I know she has limitations, but within her limitations, uh, she did a great job at least revealing a little bit about what has happened. Unfortunately, uh, I guess unfortunately for me in a way, is that there cannot be a full disclosure of of what fully happened, which I always wish that Albertans would have known, because then they would have understood that there was nothing unbecoming about it. Uh, yes, it was a horrendous bill for a lot of money, but there were very good reasons for it to have occurred. At that point in time, they were government-related. Um, and they also would have maybe uh, had a little bit of an insight of what was happening uh, with Premier Redford's government and, and what type of a relationship I had with her and, 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 you know, some of the turbulations that took place. But unfortunately, Madam Clayton can't go into that uh, in detail, but it at least gives us a little bit of an insight. Well, it does. So th- does it surprise you that, that she's concluded that it was, uh, this was a leak from within cabinet? No, not at all. I knew that. Uh, you know, there, there's one leak. There's a sequence of leaks. Uh, number one, it was uh, Premier Redford's chief of staff that retrieved that information. Um, he wasn't the one that leaked it to Matt Dykstra, to Edmund's son. Right. Uh, I know for a fact that he in turn has given it to another cabinet minister uh, who held on for it to, to it uh, for a while. 
and then used it strategically right in the middle uh, of my leadership race. You know, that, that was, I think, pretty well known to, to most everyone, but, but her report confirms that that's exactly what happened. What are you able to say about the, the nature of the charges? Uh, because as you say, you were, you were traveling in Europe, you were, were asked to deal with some, some pressing government business. Well, that's right. And, and, and now, you know, I think Albertans would view it much differently today because we, we have made a lot of progress relevant to female MLAs, female cabinet ministers. And this was a situation where a female cabinet minister found herself, at least that's how she reported it, in the middle of the night in danger. Uh, police involved, pounding on the door and not being able to get in. Um, she called the premier. Premier was not available. She went down the list. I was the deputy premier. She called me uh, in the middle of the night on a personal call, phone number, not knowing that I'm far away. Uh, I dealt with it right there, and, and then police took over. But uh, in the morning, we had no clue what truly happened. Did we have a, a rookie female cabinet minister in in some grave danger because she's a minister uh, or, or or not? Um, so a whole bunch of video conferences took place. They're, they're privileged. They couldn't happen over Wi-Fi, hotel Wi-Fi. So they happened over cellular signal. And at the end of the next day, uh, Solicitor General and, and, and other experts in government concluded uh, that this was not a government matter related to her role as a minister, but it was rather a personal family matter. And, and that's when it all ended. But as you know, if you are on private vacation, you don't buy roaming charges on your government telephone. You, you don't expect to do business on government time on private time and 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 that's exactly what happened but uh, what was troublesome to me uh, later was the fact that you know the premier's office retrieved those documents and and strategically uh, gave them to ministers uh, knowing that they will use it uh, at an opportune time and and that's exactly what happened that speaks to the relationship or lack thereof um, that i had with the premier you know you have to put this all in sequence Uh, I uh, call on the Premier to resign in caucus. Uh, She demotes me from Deputy Premier instantly uh, and unceremoniously walks me down to a a basement office in the legislature, which, as you may recall, I I, I made a lot of fun of at that point in time. Um, And then then later this this leak happened shortly thereafter. So, you know, it... uh, uh, it shows you what, what a difficult time it was uh, to be in government at that point in time. All right. So you, you would contend then that uh, when, when you were dealing with this matter at the time, that, that the premier would have been well aware of what was going on? Of course. Uh, she was fully briefed. Uh, I, I was video conferencing with her chief of staff um, from uh, Poland and then Israel. We, we were dealing with, a, at that point, a pretty scary situation. Uh, um, and we needed to determine right away what happened to this minister. Is she in any danger? Does she require any additional security to be placed on her? Um, you know, it is not often that, that you receive a, a phone call in the middle of the night from a, a, a very panicked cabinet minister saying, I'm in danger. Um, I, I think it was a reasonable thing to do. And if it was to happen today and I was in the same position, I, I would have done the same thing. Uh, but she was fully briefed, fully aware of what it was. But she knew that there were a lot of questions around this bill. And Premier also knew that I can't disclose who the minister was, what the situation was. So so they knew that if they strategically released this report, I'm not in position to defend myself. And, you know, that's unfortunately, that's the dark side of politics that that uh, unless you're in it, uh, you don't often get to see. 
Because the reason I ask it, it, it's very odd then that if the premier knew what, what was going on, the premier knew what this was all about, why the premier's chief of staff would would go back and request all of this information from from secure lockup. Well, he requested it after I have asked the premier to resign, right. and after I have confronted the premier on a number of policy and personal issues, um, and he requested it after they have demoted me from deputy premier. Uh, at that point in time, it was well known. It, the timeline wasn't known yet, but it was known that I had leadership aspirations. Uh, at least uh, that's what that's what the rumor about town was. And you know, to put it in in no uncertain terms, they, they were building up a file on me that if if, if I ever decide to pursue my political career, um, that's what they're going to release. And and indeed, they have. Uh, they provided it to a, a cabinet minister, and right in the middle of my um, leadership race, actually, Wild Rose NDP and Liberal staffers and MLAs uh, approached me and said, Thomas, uh, we want you to know that we have been approached by a cabinet minister who has been shopping this bill, these bills around, hoping that we use them against you. And and you know what? All respect goes to NDP, Wild Rose, and Liberals, because they haven't. They said, we will not engage in these kinds of politics, and they, and they never use them. So in turn, they uh, sent a brown envelope to, to Edmonton Sun, which published the story later. Yeah. I would hope, and I don't know if you can speak to this, but I would hope that, you know, that, that something would have changed coming out of that because I, it's a valid point about, you know, the security of, of hotel Wi-Fi. If, if cabinet ministers who are away need to deal with uh, sensitive government matters, uh, did, did it, was, was a lesson learned from that and did, did policies and procedures change? Uh, not during my tenure in government. I certainly hope that the current government uh, takes a page from it and, and changes some policies for their benefit. Because uh, when, when cabinet ministers travel, you discuss budget issues, uh, you discuss matters that are very privileged. This one could potentially have been very privileged. Uh, and cabinet ministers are not advised to use public access uh, domains uh, like Wi-Fi. And, and we do have our our uh, cell network that we utilize. And if you, a, if you are a senior cabinet minister in our government, uh, you had that phone on you all the time because situations do arise. Um, Premiers from time to time will call emergency cabinet meetings, which you then tie into, uh, even though you're on vacation. Um, you know, as a cabinet minister, you you really truly never are on vacation because things arise and you never ever use public domains such as Wi-Fi in a hotel room. It, it I think Albertans would be very unhappy. Uh, well, look, look at uh, Mrs. Clinton. What happens when you right, use public exactly. domain? Exactly. <laughs> um, do you think this this is probably the last word on this? I mean, there, there, are we going to have some questions that we maybe will never have answers to? Specifically, who actually leaked this? Yes, uh, we will probably never find out, and, and let it be that way. Who who actually leaked it? Um, uh, for certain. Um, but you know what? At this point, it doesn't matter. I know that this has had some impact uh, on the leadership campaign, uh, but I think there's a lesson to be learned, uh, and I hope that that uh, we don't engage in these kinds of politics um, in future leadership races. Uh, and as you know, they will be happening. Um, this was uh, this this was a situation where we where we had a, a very determined candidate to win, and, and they were not going to spare any effort to besmirch anybody who was running against Prentice. And 
and ministers who were supporters of Prentice in that case um, used that. And as you know, uh, in an investigation from the Premier's office, Premier Hancock's office was initiated, and, and when Premier Prentice became Premier, the first thing he did as a Premier was to quash that investigation. So, you know, it's it's just uh, odd turn of events, but uh, I hope we have learned from it, and I, and I hope that future politicians won't have to deal with these kinds of politics. Nice and deep. Well, we'll leave it there. Thomas Lukasik, thank you so much for making some time for us here. Really My appreciate pleasure. this. Take care. All right, you Bye-bye. too. There you go. Thomas Lukasik, uh, former MLA cabinet minister, Tory leadership candidate. Uh, so his take on this, this whole mess that was clearly created by somebody looking to, to sabotage his, his leadership campaign. So, you know, I mean, you can try to put two and two together and look at who in cabinet had a vested interest in supporting other leadership candidates, but we don't know for sure. And maybe we'll never know for sure who leaked that information. But, uh, yeah, it seems pretty clear that it was retrieved from secure storage for a reason. Uh, that much we know. Anyway, um, we'll break here for the top of the hour news. Uh, David Aiken, uh, Parliamentary Bureau Chief, Sun Media, is going to join us after 1 o'clock. Uh, in the meantime, though, it is now time for Great Ideas, brought to you by Park2Go Value Valet. No need to search for an empty parking spot with door-to-door drop-and-go valet service. Reserve and save at park2go.ca. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary. For most of us, crime is something we see on the news. We never think it could happen to us until it does. Loved ones are gone, and for the survivors, the scars will never heal. I'm Nancy Hickst, a senior crime reporter for Global News. And on this season of Crime Beat, I'll take you inside some of the most serious crime stories I've covered. Season six of Crime Beat is available now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and all podcast platforms.